This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple of hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Frank Bian, and with over 20 years experience growing and leading technology companies, he's built his career on nurturing strong corporate culture and highly efficient teams. Before Looker, he was SVP of strategy for storage vendor Versto, which was acquired by VMware, and VP of strategic alliances at big data pioneer Greenplum, leading their acquisition by EMC, which is obviously now called Pivotal. He led product marketing and strategy at early scale out data warehousing company Sensage and was VP of solution sales at OpenText. Earlier in his career, he held executive roles at Dell and the Federal Reserve. Frank, are you ready to take us to the top? Let's go. All right. So tell us about Looker. Obviously, there's people understanding, I think, from the bio, it's a data play. But what do you do and how do you make money? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people are talking about data. Um, I think what Looker is trying to do is finally deliver on this promise of of creating data cultures. And, you know, I mean, that sounds, you know, big and, and wild and everything. But really, it's about getting every person in an organization to use data to make better decisions. It's what everybody's been talking about for 20 years and no one's really been super successful doing. Why? Because uh, it's a hard technical problem, you know. I mean, you know, you know, data, you know, comes from lots of different places that are very messy. You have to clean it up. You have to present it to people in the right ways. You have to make sure that it's not siloed. There were really big, you know, technical problems that had to be solved over the last twenty years uh, that that even make it reasonable to put data into the hands of the average user. Mm-hmm. And give me a sense of how people are paying for this. Is it kind of pay as you go per API integration, or is it SaaS? model? What's your model? Yeah, I mean, we're a SaaS company, you know, we're a subscription model. So we pay or we collect, you know, based on number of users plus a platform fee. It's a pretty traditional SaaS model. And can you give us a general sense of the the size of customer? Are people paying 10 bucks a month, 100 a month, a million a month? What are you Yeah, asking? I mean, our, our average customers, you know, the low end would be about $30,000 a year and the high end would be a million. I mean, okay. so it really runs the gamut. So you're, you're very much in the kind of high touch enterprise space. Then. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we did really well and lots of, you know, 50 person and under tech companies. And then that grew, you know, grew to companies like Uber and Facebook and things like that. But, but we really serve anyone who has a need to access a lot of data. And give me the backstory here. What year was year one? Oh, so this, we're about six years old. The company was founded by a guy named Lloyd Tab, a genius in, in sort of the tech industry. A lot of people know him. And he was at a company called Borland way back in the day. And he saw Mosaic, which was you know, the first web browser. And he quit and he formed a company called Commerce Tools and, and really was one of the first people at Netscape and, and helped build that stuff out. And he connected with a guy named Mark Randolph, who was the, obviously the founder of Netflix. He was the, with Reed at Netflix, the original CEO. And they got together, you know, really looking at this data problem. And I joined a couple months later and, and off we went. So you, you were, you, I mean, you were there right from the beginning of then 2011. Yeah, I was probably about eight, nine months in. Okay. And, and you know, obviously don't be offended here, but why do they need you? Oh, you know, I think, you know, Lloyd knew what he was good at and Mark knew what he was <laughs> going to be good at. Mark's on the board still. And, and, you know, they wanted someone to come in and help, you know, run it from a business side. 
Okay, interesting. So 2011, you launched this thing with these partners. Now, have you bootstrapped or raised capital? Yeah, we definitely raised capital. I think the first year was all about the original customers, really capital efficient. And once we had a repeatable business model and the ability to go out and sell repeatably to customers, we raised money and we've raised about 180 million so far. Yep. So, okay, 180 million bucks raised, um, uh, founded in 2011. What have you grown your customer base to today? Yeah, so we're about 1,200 customers, maybe 1,300 now, somewhere in there. But, you know, we're, we're growing really nicely. Yep. And when you say really nicely, I mean, are you talking, what, 50% year over year, 20%, 100%? Uh, you know, we don't go specific, but more than 50, that's for sure. That's pretty, I mean, I assume with 180 million raised, you're you're not going from $1 to $2 of ARR yeah. year over year. That's impressive growth at the size of your company you're at. Yep, yep. No, we're we're really seeing this. This, you know, there hasn't been a breakout vendor in a long time in data. I mean, Tableau might have been the last one. And, you know, I think I think what we're seeing is we're seeing that kind of trajectory. We're we're a real SaaS kind of a company on that trajectory in this data space. Yep. Now, I mean, we can do a little bit of back of napkin math. You just mentioned kind of minimum contract values in the 30K annually range. And if you have 1,200 customers, it's fair to say you guys are well past the $36 million ARR mark at this point, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But below 100 still? Yeah, I would. That's that's a good range. Okay, good. That's, that's yeah. big enough where it doesn't hurt you competitively, but yeah. still gives you enough credit to say, "Listen to this guy; he knows what the hell he's doing." Yeah, I mean, we're we're about four hundred people now. You know, we have eight offices worldwide, and you know, we're really capital efficient. Where's headquarters? Uh, in Santa Cruz, California. Oh, I'm envious. I'm envious. You're not being affected by the wildfires, are you? No, no. We had the, you know, the, the Sonoma stuff was, was up this way and there were a couple of fires down here, but no, not too much. Okay. So we under, kind of understand team, we understand what you're doing. Tell me more about the economics of this space because it is competitive. I mean, there's a lot of people vying for kind of this data space. How are you acquiring customers? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think um, a lot of people have been talking about how you get data into the hands of users. But if you really think about all the technologies, they really grew up around the limitations of the database. So you had lots of things to take load off of the database. You had ETL, you know, data prep, visual. You had all these little pieces and what was ready and what was needed in the world of data was one platform that kind of swept all that stuff together and did it in a different way. And that's what we do. I mean, architecturally, we're very different. We run on the big, fast cloud databases and the Hadoop stuff and all those kind of things that people talk about. But really, you know, we provide this full platform that allows people to kind of do everything. But literally, I mean, literally, how are you acquiring (laughs) folks? Do you use some of your team? There's an outbound sales strategy there as a product marketing. What do you attribute acquisition to? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, we, we believe really in focus. So we originally focused on a lot of e-commerce kinds of companies, really saturated that market, moved out from there into sort of the bigger, you know, the bigger, you know, fortune 2000 kinds of things. We're about 80% inside sales. So it's an inside sales SaaS motion. Uh, And then, you know, we're doing more and more enterprise sales as well. And what do you like to keep kind of as you're scaling? Obviously, you've raised capital. So you you have created an ATM that works. You, sh- you know how to put money in, get money out. What are you trying to keep your kind of money velocity at? When do you want to get your CAC back? How quickly? There. You back? Yeah, I can hear me. No, my question yeah. is about, about, about payback period. How quickly do you like to get your money back? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, we look at, you know, sort of those SaaS models. We would look a little bit like a Marketo looked originally or something like that. But if it's more than 18 months, you know, we start to worry. Got it. So is it fair to say you've got, you're kind of between 12 and 18 now? Yeah, yeah, okay. that would be fair. Yeah. And how do you decide when to get more aggressive there or more conservative? 
You know what? I think if you look at a lot of SaaS companies, you know, growing too fast can be a problem. The wheels come flying off the bus. It's not just that simple unit unit economics, but there's a lot of other things in how fast you can scale and grow a business. We're a data company. We look at this, you know, a hundred ways from Sunday. Main, maintain a lot of metrics, not just about ourselves, but about other companies that we really look at and and would like to be. And and you know, that's that's how we drive it. So so you know, we grow as fast as we need to grow that we can do that successfully without jeopardizing the success of the customer. And can you tell me a story since you are a data company? I bet you have some kind of unique data points you look at that maybe other SaaS platforms don't actually look at. Tell me about one of those unique metrics. You know, so if you think about SaaS, the the big thing is really that it's subscription and the customer can quit if it's not successful. So the whole motion, you know, I think about when I used to sell perpetual and they used to call it drive-by selling and all that kind of crazy stuff. right? Yeah. and, And now it's not like that anymore. The customer has to be successful. So what you can build around metrics in terms of understanding how people are using the software, where adoption could be better, how you can actually improve features in the product, you know, based on how people are using it. That's what's really interesting. So not only do we do we do that, obviously, internally, we, you know, we look from a customer success perspective at where there might be problems and when we need to jump in and when we need to help a little bit more. But a lot of our customers now are doing that, too. You know, big software companies like Autodesk and things like that are really using this kind of data technology to understand how they can better serve and support customers. So what are, I mean, you, because you have such a large sample size and you have historical data, you probably know what you have to get a customer to do in the first seven days for them to like drastically increase their potential lifetime value with you. What are one or two of those things that you have to get them to do? You know, we have to kind of follow the dollar. If we're not showing something in their core business model that they weren't able to see with some other tool, and that for a lot of like tech companies, that's like some cohort of users over time. You know, I had people join at the last holiday season. You know, are they are they worth more than the people who joined in summer a year later? Or you know, like how does that look? So so it has a lot to do with like retention cohorts or cohorts of user performance over time, and they're having a lot of difficulty doing that in other data tools because so much data is involved. And we can usually show stuff like that really quickly. So, so it's really find something core to the business model. Not there's so much like goofy science experiments and data. Like you can you measure know, anything. Like everyone's trying to. Pre- yeah, exactly. And I think what we want to do is just go back to the basics. Like let's show you why you know lifetime value of a customer is X and how it can be Y. Yeah. Uh, talking about your own metrics, I mean, what do you see in terms of annual retention? Yeah. So I mean, we run and it's you know what you look at SaaS called negative churn. So does the existing set of revenue that you have grow or shrink, you know, irregardless how many new customers you add? And you always want to be in that negative churn thing. So it's that notion of land and expand. And that's really what we want, what we want and what we look at. So we look at cohorts of users over time, how much they're worth, you know, at day one and how much they're worth at, at year one and year two. And what is, I mean, how negative are you right now? Oh, so you'll see like, you know, negative 25% on a cohort, you know, in the bigger customers. So you look at, you know, when we go into a Cigna or some big, you know, Fortune 2000 customer, you know, we definitely want to see it grow substantially over, you know, the first year and two years. So I just want to verbalize this in two sentences to make sure I understand it completely clearly. When you look at the cohort that signed up 12 months ago today, so December 2016, and you look at all those signups, what you're saying is if you lost, call it, 10% 10% of your revenue, you gained 35% from that growth. So net is negative 25. Yeah, exactly. That net retention number is the thing. What is, what do you, I mean, what are you losing gross? Is it, do you have a significant amount to make up before you get back to even? We're looking, no, no, definitely not. I mean, you want to, you know, as a SaaS company, you know, playing in enterprise space, if you're more than 10%, losing more than 10% or below 90% overall, you know, from a gross retention, you have a problem. So you're above that. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. That's great. That's good. Now, what levers are you pulling from year one to year two to increase that contract value? Is it number of seats or is it some utility metric? What is it? You know what? It's value. I think everybody knows they want to do stuff with data and they're having difficulty doing it. And we want to go in and actually show real value to, to the, the users that are, you know, looking at customer success or looking at how they might use data to improve, like developing a product or something like that. Frank, and when do, you see me, success me, there, you drive Anchor it. that though. Anchor that though. Like, are you, do you have a dashboard that says we saved you 10 million last year? This year we're going to save you 40 million. So we're forexing your price point. Yeah. You know, so what we all, we have definitely those stories where, you know, someone comes in and says, Hey, we were able to do this and that, but, but data is full of that stuff. You know, what we want to see is we want to see blanket usage. So it's always about usage. It's about what is our, you know, sort of ability to penetrate, not just sort of the data team or the CFO or the finance team or things like that, but how do you get this used? Like, you know, I think of like companies like ThreadUp that were using it in the warehouse from day one, right? They were taking better pictures of merchandise based on how it was performing on the website, looking at data. That's what we want to see. We want to see a real pervasive data culture, and then the rest flows behind that. Many of you know I am buying companies that I really, really like, and there's no quicker way for me to get to the bottom of what is happening on that website than using this tool called nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar, H-O-T-J-A-R. It basically will give me a recording Okay, when anybody lands on the website, it'll give me a recording of where the viewer is scrolling and obviously does the basic stuff like heat maps too. But I learned so much about where the users are scrolling and clicking on my site using that tool. It helps me increase conversion rates, make more money and grow those businesses faster. And we'll have to see what happens with those businesses, but I'm buying them. I'm buying them very quick and I'm using nathanlaka.com forward slash hot jar for all of my website analytics. You can too. I work with them. It's totally free. You can go to nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. No credit card required. Again, use it as much as you want. Nathanlatka.com forward slash hot jar. I'll see you there. So with net negative to kind of 25% churn, you could start to lie to yourself pretty easily in terms of unrealistic lifetime value numbers, which could then throw your CAC all over the place. How do you keep yourself anchored and realistic? You know, because those performers can lie to you very easily in terms of your lifetime value. Yeah, I mean, like when you look at lifetime value and that kind of CAC ratio in a SaaS company, it's almost meaningless. I mean, we start to look at magic number and stuff like that. So you can look at sort of how things grow over time. We don't get the opportunity to talk about magic number very often. Yeah, so I mean, mean, it's defined in a number of ways, but basically you're looking at what it costs from a marketing acquisition perspective and what, how much your MRR is growing over those, those points. So it includes the upsell and things like that, where the original CAC ratio doesn't include the upsell. And you're including gross margin in that as well, or no? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So just, can you actually say that equation real quick in case folks want to calculate that? Man, themselves? I don't know. I couldn't even tell you that equation <laughs> off the top of my head. I'll go talk to Joe. <laughs> you guys can look it up or I'll put it in the show yeah. notes. It's, it's a sales efficiency ratio. It is a good metric. Yeah. Um, one of the, you know, one, Bessemer writes a lot of stuff like buying Dieter and those guys, they write a lot on this stuff and uh, those are great articles to read. Yeah. A lot of companies that I talk to that I have that are doing kind of more than 50 million in ARR, they start talking, they, they change their terminology. They start, they stop thinking about lifetime value. You in CAC and what the numbers they give me is they say, Nathan, 
you know, when we spend a dollar on CAC, we expect it to drive, you know, you know, 90 cents in new ARR, right? That kind exactly. of metric. Where, exactly. Can you share where you're at in terms of that, that ratio? I mean, so we don't go through the specific numbers, but it's, it's really healthy. We're very cash, cash efficient. There's a lot of companies in sort of this, this, you know, data space that have blown up and spent a lot of money and things like that. And we knew we did not want to go that way. So it's very efficient. Okay. And with the CAC, again, with the payback period that you mentioned earlier, I mean, it, I assume it's actually somewhere around that, right? You put it in a yeah, dollar, you get 90 at, cents. Yeah. And then we see upsell and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, it looks great. And they stick with you over a long period of time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Do you assume a minimum on that? You assume like a minimum four years, minimum five years or no, that you don't even do that? We don't even look at that. I mean, so, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look, it would be seven and that, you know, that seems like a lot. Yep. Yeah, no, I can lie to you. Interesting. What other things are, because of your size and your scale, what other things are you looking at besides kind of how quickly you get paid back, your growth, things like that? Um, it's always customer success. It has to be customer success. I mean, if, you know, because we're doing well now, doesn't mean we're going to be doing well in three years in some customer, unless we're really paying attention to it. Yep. So we just are constantly looking at how much, how much feature usage, you know, how much are people actually committing into our code base? You know, there's code behind looker for data people. How much are they doing that? Are they using new features? You know, so we really look at feature usage a lot. What's your current target year in terms of breaking the like, magical hundred million dollar mark? Um, it's pretty soon. Okay. You think, you think next year, maybe? Yeah, potentially. Yep. And is the way you're going to do that going to be driving more wallet share from current base or offering some down market options at a lower price point to increase kind of market share? Yeah, we probably don't chase down market very much. Okay. I think, you know, if you were to look at us, you'd say, Hey, you know, the, you know, let's be probably a little bit smaller, but let's go after something like service now. Interesting. Okay. Very good. This is super valuable. Frank, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your, uh, what was the last business book that you read? Um, you know, we're doing a lot with Pat Lencioni's books, you know, five dysfunctions of a team and the advantage and stuff like that. But when I think of business books, I go back even further and I, I think of like what I was reading in college, like Herman essay and like journey to the East and all that stuff. Frank, man. you're That's aging real, yourself. That is the real business book. There. <laughs> journey to the East. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, I would say Frank Slootman, man, that guy's just, you know, I mean, what he did at data domain and then service now is just, you know, insane. Uh, number three, what's your, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool? Uh, you know what? I'm uh, like, I love these note taking things and Google, you know, they kind of come along and just do it a little better. And they, they, they keep making this thing called keep better and better. And I just, I, I love that kind of stuff. Number four, how many hours of sleep to get every night? Yeah, I'm a good sleeper. So yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I can, I can function. I had kids that were little of a while ago. So, you know, I know how to do it with less, but I can do eight. Yeah. That's good. And how many kids you have? I got two. Two kiddos. Mary, are you married? Uh, not, but not uh, married. I have a great woman in my life. That's good. So not married. So the kids are out of the, they're out of the home at this point. Empty nester. Uh, they're just now applying to college. So Ooh, we're really exciting. Excited. Very exciting. Uh, and how old are you, Frank? Uh, 49. All right. Last question. Take us back 20. I had to think about that. <laughs> That's because I see the wine behind you. That's because yeah, you're already, exactly. you're already on wine this morning. All right. Yeah. No, just kidding. Last question. Take us back 29 years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? You know what? Like, um, pick your battles. You know, man, I was fighting everything. You know, I, I, I just, I was always picking everything, being the guy charging around. I think, you know, one thing I learned and one thing I tell people often is, you know, pick your battles. 
There you guys have it from Frank. Pick your battles. Joined uh, the early kind of startup team in 2011 behind Looker. Great co-founding team. They've now scaled to helping over 1,200 enterprise customers paying on average at a minimum 2,500 bucks a month. Actually, much more than that because that just puts them at about 36 million in ARR. But Frank feels good potentially next year about breaking that beautiful $100 million ARR mark. Growing around over 50% year over year, which is impressive at these large numbers. $180 million raised. Economics really healthy. Negative 25 percent churn net negative churn which is great team of 400 folks based out there in santa cruz california and other remote locations again helping you make more sense of your data frank thanks for taking us to the top all right great see you nathan